Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today, we'll be reviewing The Book of the Damned. This is part of our book review series where we review every core book in the Pathfinder RPG. And today, we have a adjunct professor, Jefferson Parham Thacker from No Direction. Welcome, Parham. Hey, thank you all for having me on board. You must have a penchant for guests that don't just use their first names. We had somebody who frankly got a little upset when we questioned what their initials <laughs> meant. And now we have you who go by Param. What's the story behind Param? Okay, so the story about Param is much more mundane than I wish it was. Because I wish this was some mysterious moniker that I'm using to escape an international <laughs> spy ring or League of Assassins. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is when I had begun doing some guest appearances on 3-5 Private Sanctuary in those very first few episodes of No Direction 10 years ago, they already had a Jeff and a Jay and had just put out a product for Pathfinder called Param Spellbook, which was a program that makes printable spell cards custom generated for any spell in Pathfinder for people to use for reference. Um, it's completely free. It's not like a real product. You can find it online. It's still working. It still does its thing. But It's real to me, darn it. But... I named that after like my EverQuest character and a character I was about to stat up for my first Pathfinder game. And Ryan just started calling me Param all, off the bat through the show and then introduced me as Param. And then everybody else started calling me Param. And it just sort of stuck because I cannot go by my real names. And so then when he kept introducing me to industry professionals as Param, so then the whole industry just thinks <laughs> so I'm really Param. someone else made this decision for you. Yeah, yeah. It's it, like the, the the sad note is like there was there's a, an EverQuest character that was once named Param. I used that name because it was convenient for a product I was making. And now I'm stuck with it. Well, whatever your name is, we're very happy for you to be here, Mystery Man. Reviewing Book of the Damned. Book of the Damned is a hearty book, 287 pages. Now, are you really sure we want to do this? I know I've I've, I've questioned this a few times, but we are playing with fire here you know we're willing to brave it out you know i think the listeners really deserve talk of this it got so much traction on the forums there is a lot of talk about the content of this i think it's worth it to take that risk okay 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 did you uh book yourself a young priest and an old priest <laughs> well my hope here is just that you know god doesn't go hey what are you doing down there at any point and i can just kind of slide this by him <laughs> That traditionally works in stories. You can just sneak things past God. That, that's been my experience in life as well. Every time I've tried to hide something from Jesus, it's worked out well. <laughs> One time we were reading, uh, what, what was the Hell Knight? It was a, uh, Hell Knight was a novel we were reading for a series we were doing on this podcast. And mm -hmm. I was reading it in seminary and I became acutely aware as I'm sitting in the library of the seminary, it says Hell Knight on the front with a picture of a Hell Knight fighting tiefling with horns. I was like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't read this here anymore. I just don't want to answer the questions. There's justifiable reasons, but you know what? I'm just not into that. I already had to deal enough with people being like, oh, you're from Jersey. Oh, you're from Jersey. I know. I never told anyone this. How did people figure it out? That was my entire seminary career was, oh, you're from Jersey. They treat me like I was some sort of zoo animal. I don't understand what was happening. Welcome to Caleb's hour where he was able to express some things for feeling deep down. We could sort of talk it out. And as you can probably tell by now, I forgot the word. That is where you sit down and talk with people. I mean, sort of, sort of could vamp. I was hoping <laughs> until I thought of the word. Still can't think of it. You, therapy. That's the word I was looking for. This joke has run its course. 
And I'm glad we've taken time to sort of chase this rabbit as we have a very short book to read here and to review. Mm. And we have all this excess time. 287 pages. And as I understand it, this is a compilation of three Pathfinder Chronicles, or as we now call them, campaign settings. Yes, yes, yes. This is three of the best Pathfinder campaign setting books. These were 64-page softcover books before they got combined and expanded for this compilation volume. And it was part of a series of five books, of which only four are published. Mm. Oh man, this is kind of a sad thing. I wrote in our notes, this gives me vindication of my desire for this to be done with others, like the Blood of X player campaigns. Get them all put into one book. But I must have written that before second edition was announced, and now we know we're never getting that. Sad face. Well, we just don't know that we're getting it for first edition. First. I mean, That's right. It's not like Paizo's ever going to get tired of selling us softcover books for way too much money. <laughs> That's right. This kind of book is what caused the hysteria, the Satanist hysteria of the early 80s. So mm-hmm. I'm glad this can get published nowadays. and It doesn't really cause a stink anymore. Oh, gosh. I'm just glad man. we could find another reason to talk about my religion D&D in this episode already in the <laughs> intro still before chapter one. My first published credit is actually an essay breaking down the satanic panic and pat pulling. Uh, Really? Yeah, yeah. All all for a a publishing called The Advocate way back in the day that was talking about uh, the issues of D&D and role-playing games and trying to get them to get some more public acceptance in the early 90s when the the pat pulling and and bothered about Dungeons & Dragons had just about run its course, but you still had some holdouts in the South. But then you had this whole way of the vampire the masquerade serial killers who are from my hometown actually they they got their books at my game store that i managed and having to deal with all of that nonsense piled up on top of that let's talk a little bit about it in our episode on sensitivity and respect let's let's stop with these rabbit trails christian as much as you want to get me to talk about these things because that has been your policy you do want to talk about jesus as much (laughs) as possible christian i've tried to stop you but you're just unstoppable Uh, in many ways this book presents itself as the book of the damned itself much of the information contained within is information that players will find in the in-game item the book has a different font on it which ruins my ocd when i line it up next to my other books and even the backing sort of of each page of the background looks a little bit like parchment it's actually pretty cool And so to that point, before even chapter one, we get the Book of the Damned in-game items stats. And oh boy, do you both want and never want to find this thing. (laughs) I'm always a fan of treasure that can just straight up kill you. That's my favorite kind of reward to get from the GM. (laughs) Oh, you mean when I don't want to name any names that I'm sure nobody here has any idea what I'm talking about. Just randomly open a book that we find, start reading it, and transport us to another dimension and take a whole sideline of our campaign. Oddly specific, Caleb. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) The book was there. That's what we were there for. We were there for the book. Of course I opened it. I mean, nothing. (laughs) So let's go over a couple things about the Book of the Damned. If a good creature touches it, it needs to make a DC 22 fortitude save or be slain on the spot. Do they give like like flavor for that or is it just you, you know, dead heart attack? It's also worth noting that because it's a death effect, you can't be resurrected. Even better. Not just death permadeath well i mean if you got a wish or miracle or a god on your side then that might be able to but then again forever going to be known as the person that showed up at phrasma's doorstep because they touched the do not touch bad book (laughs) you get your own little private section of seating away from everybody else 
But let's say that you were strong enough to resist that death effect. Using it at all condemns you to an evil plane after your death, regardless of how else you lived your life. Terrifying. And this book's going to go on to describe just exactly how terrifying those evil planes are going to be. You've got your fun choice between the Abyss, the Hales themselves, or my personal favorite, Abaddon. I like this already because it is really solidifying good and evil as static ideals. And that I don't care if you use this book for good. We're not going to get into that argument. You're not going any place good after you use this book. I don't care how many orphans you save with it. Is this Paizo's response to the using an evil spell for a good <laughs> reason? What's my alignment? Oh, no. Their response to that was three times ever and you're evil. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad baseball one. is the foundation for moral damnation. <laughs> Because the people who play role and playing games are really into <laughs> sports generally. If you manage to get this book, survive it, and are willing to take these consequences, you get a couple benefits. You can cast spells with the evil descriptor with a plus two caster level. Mm, listen to this one, Christian. You get a plus five bonus to charisma checks with evil outsiders. Hey, they think you're cool. It's like street cred, but with demons. You can use several spell-like abilities, some at will, sometimes three a day, a few at one a day. And you can reference it to get a plus 10 on a knowledge planes check. And when you teleport to Abaddon, the Abyss, or Hell, there is no chance of mishap. And once per day, you can ask it a question relating to any profane topic, open to a random page, and find the answer as if you had cast vision. Here's the big one. It contains every spell with the evil descriptor ever made. And if a new one gets made, it's there. I mean, you've bought into this horrific damned Kickstarter. You might as well get the full benefit. <laughs> this is what this is. This is a Kickstarter. <laughs> We're going to be talking about how it's made, but all I can think now is that it was a Kickstarter done by the Angels. Honestly, when you think about it, it's really going to fit well into that that analogy. Good job, Param. I like it a lot. Get an email like, oh, they added the new spell, Disgusting Pustules Mass. Oh, I can't wait to try that when I get home. Mm, if only I supported it at that <laughs> level. And you can use it to go inside the book's demiplane, which we will talk about later. But a really cool thing about this is that the book itself turns into a portal for you and whoever you designate to enter. But, quote, creatures other than those the bearer chooses can enter the Book of the Dam's repository during lunar eclipses and the midnight hour on the night of a new moon. The barely visible portal manifests as a normal door at these times. What an awesome bit of flavor. That's amazing. I want to make a story just around somebody happening across somebody who had just used the book and there's the door at just the right time. And you just described something about my experience with the three original versions of this book and the uh, the compilation is so many of the tiny little details and the horrific little mind worms they put in here are basically there to inspire GMs to create adventures surrounding this. I mean, the, the high-level fun you could have of just stumbling across this translucent blue door in an old cottage in the middle of the forest is just flavorful as heck. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk more about the Book of the Damned later because it talks about it later. For now, let's just jump into chapter one. Chapter one, Fiendish Divinities. 128 pages. This is the bulk of the book. They will be listing of 50 deities. Each get two pages and a piece of art. One page of stats which is going to contain normal stuff like domains, favorite weapons, symbols, etc. This is the sort of thing that I think uh, made Intersea Gods very popular to get this sort of information. It'll give you information on their worshippers and minions, which I think is a very cool little touch. 
and obediences and boons, which we'll talk about later when we go over feats. Now, it's also worth noting that to start diving into these divinities, most of these aren't actual gods. There's a couple of actual gods that show up here, but the more most of these are going to be like demon lords and horsemen and basically demigod level stuff, a lot like the imperial lords for characters that prefer to worship on the I'm going somewhere nice when I die side of the fence. Yes. So for each of these deities you'll get one page of lore and uh, some of these you'll actually see stats in the bestiaries i just came across one i think it's beelzebul why do they gotta change one letter paizo because <laughs> that's all it takes he's he's different than beelzebub okay all right what is it please don't tell me there's actually a beelzebub that's a different thing in pathfinder in paizo's world oh lord no. <laughs> that'd be ludicrous okay, Caleb. it's beelzebul <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> woe is me for assuming paizo would do something ludicrous but like the four horsemen are in there which you get stats and bestiary six i think mm -hmm. i'm glad to see some eldritch entries in here like dagon I'm sad there's no Cthulhu, but I guess maybe they just thought it was overplayed. Uh, and Barbatus, we can't forget the, the magical tentacle sorcerer lord. If it's tentacles, it's, it's got to be Eldritch. I've always been a fan of that sort of thing, so I'm happy to see it here. The Force mm -hmm. Horsemen, as I said, are here. And we can't get away from Lamash, too. I've already seen two pics of her, and we're not even halfway through chapter one. Oh, Lammy Mosh, too. <laughs> Very tired of it. Well, I mean, she's basically Pathfinder's darling. They spent the first two years of Pathfinder's existence talking about all the various ways she's responsible for everything bad. Then after that, we get small sections of only a few pages each that give deities a paragraph of lore, a sentence or two of obedience, and three boons that are just names of spells. And these are the categories of deities. We got, uh, these are all sort of like princes of darkness. These are sort of like titles. So the Asuranas, the Daemon Harbingers, the Infernal Dukes, the Chitin Demagogues, the Malambranch, the Nascent Demon Lords, the Oni Diamo, the Quilipth Lords, the Rakshasha Immortals, and the Sockhill Tormentors. I'm very happy they added these. I, I was kind of worried that we'll just lose them because they weren't part of the main thing, but you get a bunch, and even if it's just a little paragraph, that's enough for somebody like me who likes to homebrew to run and create my own lore. One of the entries here, sort of ignorant Caleb looked at and went, oh, awesome, I love this. And then I found out, like most of the things I love, uh, that it hates me and everyone else hates me for liking it. How I've stayed married while that's been true has been a miracle. Folka... Uh, has a picture here of sort of a, I hate to say this, but I don't hate to say it, and I love to say it, but I better say I hate to say it, otherwise you're going to hate me for hating to say it, because I don't want you to hate me because I love you. Looks kind of like Slender Man. And the fact that it's tall, faceless, gaunt, but it's wearing a robes, and on its face, it almost looks like it's pushing from the inside, sort of like Freddy Krueger on the wall, or handprints, and it's carrying a satchel and, or a bag, I should say, and a candy cane. I'm like, this looks pretty cool. Can't wait to read all about this. Oh, interesting. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, Folka sort of is focusing on tormenting children. And because of this, this is sort of a sensitive topic. Uh, any sort of child abuse I, I uh, should be uh, sort of created, stirred up some controversy. Some people were pretty upset about Folka's inclusion, particularly uh, about this sentence here. The obedience for Folka is, quote, stalk a child and make him witness or endure a horrifically brutal event. Promise him that you will return and then release him with that haunting thought. People were pretty upset about this thing, something that would seemingly encourage you to role play. Uh, abuse and I see a lot of people make the jump to sexual abuse of children I kind of was a little like it's kind of a book of evil that this book will talk about some pretty brutal topics why is this the bridge too far and I would hope that none of your players or if they would you would be the sort of GM to be like maybe not at my table would want to role play that that's the sort of thing you have for your villains 
Uh, but what are your guys' thoughts on this? So it's not a huge jump in my eyes to the sexual abuse, which I think was the main complaint about the Folka. Of the domains and subdomains that the Folka grants you, one of them is lust. The lust domain is part of the Folka's portfolio, and of the spells that worshipping this, this god gives you, on the list is unnatural lust very in the very first slot. So, although they don't explicitly state it, just a pretty basic read-through reveals that that's kind of a sub-theme of it and could definitely fall under the domain of this deity. But again, my, my entire opinion of this is that it's evil. The whole point of this is to be evil. The only thing I don't like mechanically about how this could be represented in the real world, or not the real world, whoops, <laughs> uh, the Galarian world, <laughs> not, not the world that I think is <laughs> the real no, world. Please no, please <laughs> uh, no. Something that can be represented mechanically in Galarian is... You could be true neutral technically and gain these benefits and believe these things, which I think that some deities should have the explicit tagline that you have evil. Just like this book. Reading the Book of the Damned. You're evil. If you use it, you're evil. If you worship the Folka, there's really no way to abuse children and not be evil, is the is my tagline on it. And you're making a good uh, distinction there, is that if you were true neutral and worshipped Folka, that's very different than being true neutral and trying to justify doing the obedience for Folka. And that's an extremely evil act, and it would be impossible to justify remaining a neutral character that is okay doing that. Like, I can understand, like, mechanically a neutral character might worship one of these crazy, horrible things, but actually any character that acts on any of this, well, basically belongs in this book. And because we haven't gone to detail about it, a quick primer, an obedience is something you can do that you actually get a boon for. There is a feat you can take, you get boons for performing those obediences on a daily basis. Most of them are pretty innocuous. Uh, like I know Nurgaber is like you dig a hole and you whisper a secret into it and you bury the secret so that no one knows and you get a small bonus. Um, this one's a bit more egregious in that you're actually going out and hurting someone. Usually the things that you can accomplish on your own five, ten minutes, not a big deal. This is you're going out and hurting somebody and you're getting a plus two profane bonus on charisma based skill checks. Everyone thinks you're better because you used a kid. They're more likely to give you a discount Yikes. at the shop. They're like, man, this guy's got a smile on his face. I think the the big problem, and one that even I I sort of agree with everyone on is, is why is unnatural lust in there? It it I think it would have been a fine entry without it. Some of this really is evocative. Uh, it says here, quote, Focus Realm is a place of bedrooms, hideouts, kitchens, and playrooms where every perception of safety or protection harbors a hidden potential for terror. Uh, a little spoiler for season two. I'll give you just a few seconds to fast forward. Just a minute. We won't talk long about it. That was sort of, it wasn't the inspiration, but I see the, it's analogous here to something that was plaguing one of my characters in season two was a boogeyman, which is, I don't remember which beast series in maybe two or three. And uh, sort of when he took the player to like a realm to torture him, it was a bedroom. And he sort of made my player a child again because he enjoyed sort of torturing children. It's the same sort of thing. I enjoyed it. We played it. I don't think we at any point insinuate anything sexual. But there in here, I'm sort of going towards, yeah, why was this even sexual? I guess I am having a, a sort of default reaction of this does feel really bad if it's sexual, though. I would like this way better if it wasn't every other part I like about it. I don't like about. I don't like. <laughs> let's maybe rephrase. I like this a lot. No, I like it storytelling purposes. I think role playing in any storytelling medium has potential to, to delve into difficult topics and help people deal with things they might never ever deal with or, or learn about. This is almost immediately comparable to something like it. This isn't 
a jump from the norm Definitely. of what we see in a horror setting. Uh, like, my opinion is that, yeah, this is weird, and I'm not a fan of it, but that isn't that the point of this book? It is evil acts, is explicitly evil things, is evil deities. I don't think it should really be a player option, and I, I see this being a bigger problem in something like Pathfinder Society. You can technically be a neutral character, and you can bring this to a table with strangers who you, you really need to know your players to bring in themes like this. You need to know that this isn't going to affect anybody. You can't just show up at a Pathfinder Society table and be like, hey, I'm gonna go uh, torture some kids real quick so i can get that plus two to charisma <laughs> it's pathfinder legal you can't <laughs> stop me uh well in the end paizo did rule that they uh said it's a it's a mistake mm-hmm. uh that they will never ever do anything with folka ever and and that uh they took on responsibility that it was a, a mistake and their fault and they intend the next publishing of this book will not have folka in it i believe you can uh you search you'll get like it's the first or second result if you search folka pathfinder folka paizo to get the official response from them i think this is really a, an example of a creativity gone wrong whenever you're dealing with an aspect of child horror or child abuse that is a aspect of of especially in a medium like role-playing game where you're going to have people reenacting scenes either opposing it or participating in it or i mean you get into a really specific headspace when you're doing uh pen and paper role-playing games and having any sort of of child abuse or, or child endangerment is automatically one of the things that you traditionally uh, disclose that is going to be a trigger if you're using the X card or similar systems. And this is an example of doing that poorly. Um, having this sort of content in the book is something they should have handled with exceptional care. Um, for instance, when you read the first part of it, creepy monster with childlike hands, that's pretty par for the course for Pazo horror. Then the obedience of stalk a child and make them, that's getting really close to across the line. And then you, you missed the second part. The, 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 the worst part is that the boons are a natural lust and modify memory. And the concept of, of child abuse and then gaslighting the child, I don't know how that particular combination got put together. And it absolutely should never have made it past an editor's desk. And I'm glad that they're going to be getting rid of this. I do think that you can tackle serious issues like this carefully. But traditionally, even Paizo has put in some of their uh, their briefs out there of things that they do not want in their content. Child endangerment is one of the things that are just like auto-rejects listed for PFS scenarios if you try to submit one. So I, I'm surprised that this was in here at all because it was a big deal when they introduced earlier some they very specifically introduced some child endangerment plots for the reign of winter campaign and they had to handle that with literal kids gloves as well so i'm kind of surprised to see they took the chance here at all we gotta admit that these lines are arbitrary that paizo decides where they are obviously they're making them deciding based on the culture they live in uh you know that that violence is more acceptable than uh sexuality in america so it's fine that they have you killing goblins and gnolls and even other humans. A lot of times, a lot of other, you know, intelligent races, that's sort of a fine thing they've accepted. But, you know, like you said, they declared, we don't want to do child endangerment. If we ever do it, we want to be very careful about it. That was what they said. So that's going to be their prerogative. You know what I absolutely love, though? The meta book of the damned. That there's an original printing of this that has a forbidden piece of lore that you can only <laughs> store it in that volume. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the real book of the damned cool. but bringing it for a moment back to it though where do we draw the line i think stephen king can produce more provocative things than 
Paizo thinks is safe too. Doesn't it get sexual at one point? I'm pretty sure it explicitly the original gets sexual. Novel of, yeah, the original novel of it gets explicitly sexual, including an orgy with kids. Right. Yes, that's what I, that's what people have told me before. I haven't read it myself. That's what I've heard. And obviously that is their inspiration for the Folka. It's what it cares about is almost exactly it, except without the whole alien influence kind of thing. So I can see where them doing this, they're trying and it to does say There is a little line here that you do have to impersonate Tim Curry <laughs> when you play Folka, so. <laughs> have you ever seen his space? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space! I'm sorry, you were making a good point. <laughs> no, that's about what it. That? I didn't really have a good ending. I just okay. kind of run on this about... until the end. I'd rather end with you making sure, a joke sure. than me just going, and I kind of, I ran out of You'd guess. rather end with space <laughs> and a great Tim, on point Tim Curry impression. Uh, to, to close the discussion with Folka, I know we spent too much time, but I like drama. If anyone's been on my servers, realize I like drama. It's a bad thing because one day that will come to bite me when I'm the focus of some drama. But the, uh, I don't know if rape is ever talked about in this book at all. I didn't read every word, but I read maybe 90% of the words in this book. I do not remember coming across anything that is about rape. Uh, so, I mean, there, there there are some lines in this book of all evil that just weren't included. That's like precedence for, okay, well, then maybe we're also not going to choose to include this sort of stuff with children. <laughs> but let us move on. Uh, being the mechanics guy, you know, the Folka's favorite weapon is the net. And not really any other deities give you that. That's a really unique option. It's an exotic weapon. <laughs> and the power gamer comes through. You're you're the person that comes up to Pathfinder Society. No, it's got the travel Folka. domain. I got an extra 10 feet of speed. So they can't oh, run away. No. Christian, stop! It's, no, no, the, the goblins. The I'm killing goblin, goblin, goblin children. Goblins. Oh, the goblins. Christian, stop! You're killing me. This is how you... Do you want Param to never come back on the podcast? Because this is how you get Param to never come back on the podcast. It was weird. He attended this one podcast, and then his whole career was destroyed. Weird. This chapter is an amazing chapter, especially you want to deal with these divinities. There's a lot of great lore as well as mechanics for each of them. Uh, it's amazing, and I use Baphomet heavily, and I'm, uh, he's in here. It's giving me some new new tools for him. I'm excited for that. Yeah, this was also one of the uh, this is also one of the chapters that has a, a good chunk of the expansion of content. From if you had the original three, this is the chapter that has the majority of the expanded content. Okay, good for those who don't like uh, reprint. Well, let's move on to chapter two, Fiendish Realms, thirty pages here there are details about the three major fiendish planes hell which is sort of the home of devils uh abaddon for de- demons and the abyss for demons and hell it uh, retains the nine layers without using the sort of old nine layer terminology i'm glad that they uh kind of put their own spin on it though and then there's details about various other fiendish realms like for chitons the rakshasa and oni and sock hills they lean heavy in the Rakshasa in this book, and, they, and there was a sort of point in time during their fiction that they were leaning on them really hot, heavy as well, because we need this really menacing evil outsiders, and why not the backwards hand kitties? <laughs> I don't find them menacing. I don't like them. They're just, it's an anthropomorph, but its hands are all weird. Okay, well. Did somebody say <laughs> anthropomorph? <laughs> I like how I like how furries have ruined the word anthropomorph. That just means person-like. But if you use that word, you're always thinking of an animal. Always. I've opened up a, a deep layer of comedy with that. I'm glad I introduced it. 
And then we get an awesome section, a phenomenal section inside the Book of the Damned. Now, I usually don't go into this much detail, but I find it so awesome. We're going to talk a little more about this section than we normally would. Quote, this tome unflinchingly catalogs reality's endless bounty of outrages and intrigues, and within its pages, evils are laid bare, presented with no hint of either condemnation or exultation. The lore within is terrible, but it is true, and it is still being written. I also like that it is a demiplane small enough to fit on your average flip map. <laughs> you mean like 180 <laughs> feet? <laughs> yeah, totally. If you look at the uh, the battle map that they provided for this, one square equals five feet, and you look at the spread, that is the exact size of your standard issue blank flip map. There's 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 Me? no reason that uh, Stephen Randy McFarlane can't work next week and just release the Book of the Damned as a battle map we all purchase. <laughs> I, I like. We may have included Folka, but we also included a map of the of the Book of the Damned Deming Plains. So. I love the idea of people on a plane just like, why are so many places 180 feet wide? There's some sort of constant here, <laughs> some mathematical axiom we're failing to realize. And then you get the the the, uh, the Guild of Masons who are just like, you know, putting all that down and censoring that knowledge because they're making a fortune on five foot square papers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The five foot poles, that's last week. It's these pavers. Look, if you don't want there to be trouble at your bar, just don't put anything in five foot increments and no one will have room to fight. We don't know why it is, but it's true. So the story of the angel Tabris is that he was charged to create a complete accounting of all knowledge in existence. And he is infamous within heaven. It took eons and the angels thought him dead, but he eventually finished and returned with the Chronicle of the Righteous, the Concordance of Rivals, and the Book of the Damned. Angels were horrified at the Book of the Damned and exiled Tabris, kind of a jerk move, he kind of told him to do it, (laughs) and tried to destroy the book, but it vanished and after an epoch, it showed up on the material plane. How old are angels? Gosh darn it. Creatures of all kinds gathered them together until eventually we have the four volumes. If you bring all them together, they reform the Book of the Damned. The elusive tome has granted countless reckless scholars a glimpse of reality's deepest evils. Those who aren't driven to ruin by the book's secrets typically face the knives of covetous thieves, which ensures that the blasphemous volume never lingers in one place for long. Angels are jerks. What is this, like the Diablo universe? (laughs) I mean, pretty much. I I thought very similar things, but it might have been because I was playing Reaper of Souls the first time I read this. (laughs) Right, right. Most who have held and lost the book refuse to let go of it. Over the ages, the blood of a thousand cultists has spilled upon the tome, giving rise to a vicious haunt that jealously tries to tear the Book of the Damned from any single owner's grip. This is a really cool little bit of flavor. I love the idea that like all these things with the book of the day, you touch it and you might die and oh, you're going to go to hell and all this stuff. But I really like there's even a, there's even another layer of there's something that haunts this book. that's going to try to get it out of your hands. Like, nope, you've had it too long. As we mentioned, the book can be used to visit a special demi plane that contains, quote, the countless records and confessions that make up the knowledge preserved within the book of the dam. It has platforms with dark crystal tablets that when touched, unleash a series of diagrams, images, voices, and illusory recreations regarding a single blasphemous topic. And the very first time I read that, I had to reread it again because I thought it literally said it releases series. And I was like, these are just evil iPads? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I was reading it as just a series of like, oh, okay, Game of Thrones is out. Okay, Breaking <laughs> Bad, Trailblazers. And, and it's good they mentioned that because you're not going to fit all of human knowledge, just the bad parts, into any given uh finite space which is why i was surprised mm-hmm. that this was a finite space because i just have pictured it like any given plane the infinite rows sure. of like the smuttiest horrible things you ever looked at don't worry they all have those like white covers that you see at the airport so you can't see the cover oh not here no this is the seedy porn store at the back row of the worst part of town where they just you <laughs> the know door, put... the portal's just those beads that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> from a three to go past them yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's got, like, the, the, the couple, one of which isn't wearing a shirt, both smoking a, a bong at the front of it. There's a toddler running mm-hmm. around for no apparent reason. A crib mm-hmm. that's just stacked with with, with uh, d- uh, paraphernalia because they couldn't be bothered to put it anywhere. And then just, like, the worst, dustiest uh, collection of filth you can ever imagine. And it really dries down the property value of the nearby homes. <laughs> In this plane is the unspeakable word, which is a giant heart bound in chains of runes and eternal iron that continuously catalogs new information. Uh, Hey, guys, guess what? There are stats for the heart. (laughs) Immediately stat it. Stat it now. Let's have a fun game where you guess how much health the unspeakable word has. I'm going to say 1200 hit points. 20,900. Oh, I was nowhere Uh, near close. Because 30,000 would be too much. And it's got DR25 epic and good. If attacked, the voice of the damned protects it. What's the voice of the damned, you might ask? Uh, Well, it's a CR25 creature made of otherworldly flame and pages, which has a page and a half stat spread. It resurrects 24 hours after being killed, and the unspeakable word resurrects a year later and catalogs what it missed in that time over 1d4 months. So you really can try all you want to stop this. You're only ever just going to delight it. Okay, so you said it had 24,000 hit points for the heart? 20,900. 20,900. And this is very important because I want to know how many times you're going to have to fight this thing, assuming you have a CR20's 280 DPR. Uh, so that's going to be, oh, this isn't so bad. This isn't so bad. <laughs> you mm-hmm. will... Oh, uh, I only have to find it once. I was hoping that the ridiculous amount of hit points would carry it into a new 24-hour cycle, therefore making that build irrelevant. But it turns out that if you're your average 20th level paladin, you'll be able to kill that heart in seven minutes. In how long? Seven minutes. 7.46 minutes. Oh, good. That's I think that's a Wesker time to play with you. Just enough. <laughs> For those who played Resident Evil 5. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think it was going to hit, but it did. Seven minutes is all I have to play. With. I, I really like that the heart's hit points are like gas station prices. It's not $21. It's 20.99. Oh, I'm saving so much money at the pump. There's rules here for using the book. There are 10 layers of types of information you can gather. Halfway through, you can already learn ninth level spells to give you an idea of how powerful this is. Here's an example. The second deepest layer of knowledge. It's like a whole little mini game that you have to play to be able to get deeper knowledge of the book. Some cool stuff here, like finding out truths behind mysteries, locations of artifacts, methods to destroy artifacts, which is not, I don't think there's a lot of ways to find that out, and locations of portals to planes. And beside the deepest layers, mostly, there's not that bad of consequences for reading them. Well, assuming that you're reading these things, you have already condemned your soul to hell, right? 
that you True. went into this. You used the book, opened the plane, went in here. You, you kind of already paid the entry All fee. Right. So here, here, let me give you uh, for like well, second most shallow layer here. She must succeed at a will saving throw or be compelled to briefly and nonviolently abuse an ally with insults. I just do that without compulsion, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I think he was on to something, though. These little extra fees are just insults. It's like getting the admission pass to Disney World for half your college fund, but still having to pay $6 for a Pepsi. <laughs> At that point, you're just insulted. And then, of course, here's the compulsion. One of them is you if you uh, you have to make a will save or feel compelled to research another topic, go at it. Ah, it's a positive feedback loop. I really, really, really like this Demiplane, all the rules for it. There's stuff in here that uh, I think... Every certain amount of time, just the darkness within the book will, uh, will turn into a, a, an evil creature that you might have to fight or it'll just wander. There's a lot of cool rules for this thing, and it, and it inspires me already to come up with things. I want to get my players here and have them do stuff like this. A lot of times I've seen stuff where the consequence is too either chaotic or severe to ever imagine getting players to use it. Here, if obviously getting past the bright first thing where it's like the instant death effect, past that... A lot of it is manageable and stuff. I would see players, even if I told them that's going to be the consequence, they would think it worth it, you know, depending on what they're trying to do. You'll be surprised how much design space uh, is ruined by that. I think they do it well here. It's a really cool dummy plane. Chapter 3, Fiendish Influences. This is 42 pages, and this is the player-focused section with options. So we'll start off with what it would be like in a cult of the various fiends. So if you do want to worship certain of the fiend lords, now you know what it's kind of like. And then we jump into some of the player options. I do want to say that it's good to have the... I appreciate that there were distinction upon the different fiend cults so that they actually do have some distinction because it's way too easy for a GM to just go, eh, it's evil cultist. Um, so here you know exactly why they're evil and what they want to be evil, though they do drop the ball a little bit because half of them just have different reasons they want to end all existence, but they still want to end all existence. Mm, that's a good point. I mean, how many times have you heard, it's almost like basic GM advice, don't make every campaign the stakes are the end of the world. Right, but if you're bringing this into the play, the stakes really are going to be the end of the world. Well, I think the uh, two of the feats that we have to focus on immediately are the Damned Disciple and Damned Soldiers, which give you a reason for the entire first chapter having all those obediences, because the stats exactly why you would want to do those obediences and get the benefits. Like the Damned Disciple is when you gain the, you gain the, the boons from the obedience feat, you can then choose an Evangelist boon or Exalted boon, but once you select it, you can't be changed in addition to the two skills you gain plus two for pain bonus. And the Soldier, because you're, you want to hurt things more as a soldier uh when you gain the finished obedience you can choose a sentinel boon or an exalted boon and then once you select the boon you can't be changed and you gain plus one profane bonus on weapon damage rolls with your god's favorite weapon so this is how you can further invest in and interact with that whole i worship evil part and so these two feats are kind of the key feats for the book so the fiendish obedience feat is definitely the standout here you pick it, you are able now to do the obedience of your deity and get the base reward for it. There are more returns for it later in the game at like 12th hit die and 16th hit die, so it's pretty late, but that's when you start getting these spell-like abilities of these obediences, of these boons. So let's give an example here of Baphomet. His evangelist boon, it starts off with Walk Among the Herd, which gives you a couple abilities like Pass Without Trace a couple times a day, Undetectable Alignment, or Audience Clairvoyance. And then if you get the second one, 
As a reward for your devotion to him, Baphomet grants you the power to make pawns of the weak willed and spread your influence among the ignorant masses. So I got Christian to be my co-host. It's working. Three, <laughs> three times per day, you cast mass suggestions and spell-like ability. So it looks like you're just getting some like spell-like abilities. And then the final one, which is supposedly the most powerful, you get to conjure a Glabrazu to, to work for you. Oh, okay. They're pretty powerful. Grant yeah, big evil they, wishes, punch real hard. Tiny little forms. <laughs> <laughs> in Starfinder, they gave those forearms Gatling guns. Wait, I missed it. They have those in Starfinder? Is that in Alien yeah. Archive 1? Or is that in the newly released Alien Archive 2? Uh, it's not in Alien Archive 2 that comes out on October 14th. There's also, uh, for the Exalted Boons, you get same thing, three special abilities. And then the second one, you can use Change Shape to turn into a Minotaur for an hour. Awesome. Uh, and then the third one, you can cast Maze with the benefits of extended spell feet once per day. That's a spell-like ability. The Sentinel, three more special abilities for the first. For the second one, Devouring Beast sounds like a great title. He sends one flesh-eating bull of the Ivory Labyrinth to slaughter and feed at your side. You gain an Aurux animal companion as a bunch of stats, blah, blah, blah. And then last one, Invocation of the Gorgon. You can change shape as an ivory-colored Gorgon as per B-shape. Four. And for any of our younger listeners, we're talking about the D&D slash Pathfinder version of the Gorgon, which is a giant metal bull monster, and not what you're thinking of when you think of Gorgons. And while it does fit some of a sort of pattern where most first things will give you spell-like abilities, and a lot of these spell-like abilities, not all of them are, like Orcus, his third level Sentinel Boon lets you make your mace inflict instant death upon people. It's, uh, it's varied up a little bit. If these boons are something that interests you, you don't have to wait until 16 hit die to do this stuff. There are some prestige classes we'll be talking about a little bit later that do interact with boons and obediences. Some other standouts is soul-powered magic. This interacts with a subsystem we'll talk about a little bit later, but trapping souls and soul gems is a mechanic within this book, and the feat is what allows you to enact empowering your spells with the souls trapped inside these gems. Chain Mastery and Dance of Chains are two feats that involve using a spiked chain, which everyone cried about because it was nerfed from D&D 3.5. The first feat allows you to hold a spiked chain in one hand. Okay, I guess that's cool. The second part of this chain, Dance of Chains, allows you to hold it in one hand, add your dexterity modifier to the weapon's damage, and it is treated as a weapon with a reach of 5 feet greater than normal. So having a one-handed dexterity-based Reach weapon is very powerful. Uh, the way it's worded, I believe it could be used with a swashbuckler, which would be a very powerful and interesting build for a devilish, demony swashbuckler. And I kind of like how they design these feats to basically unnerf the nerf to spike chain. <laughs> you just have to be a fighter and dump two feats into it. But they're not. There's not <laughs> a lot of prerequisites. They're pretty easy to get. And this is when this is also when you saw a period in Pathfinder of them finally relenting and giving dex to damage all over the place. We all worship our god stat dexterity. Thank you for our initiative. Thank you for our damage. See one of the entries in this book. <laughs> Thank you for our AC. Thank you for our saving throws. Thank you, dexterity. Oh, no. And there's a couple feats that are for monsters only. Like the prerequisites, you need to be a chitin or a non-native outsider with the evil subtype, which are not any of the races that you can normally choose. So the new player options after the feats are domains and subdomains. There are two new primary domains and 14 new subdomains. Of those 14 subdomains, most of them are under the two new domains introduced. First new domain is scaly kind. This is any 
person that worships something scaly, whether an evil serpent or a scaly demon, and it's bad. I don't get this. So the first power you get is you gaze at somebody and they are hypnotized or fascinated. They actually get the fascinated condition and they take a completely insignificant amount of non-lethal damage. I don't understand this ability because the fascinated condition goes away the second anything immediately threatening happens. So it's completely useless in combat. So what you're saying, Christian, is that this is garbage, like all the Bowsett memes that are so popular right now. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking, you know, when lizards look at me, I don't feel this shake in my legs. And I thought about Bowser. I was like, hmm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're onto something here. Apparently they're onto something here <laughs> if the current internet situation is anything to speak toward it. <laughs> I just like that we've dated this podcast at least twice so far. <laughs> I like to make things so that they're completely irrelevant soon after publishing. No one will ever forget Bowser, okay? Yeet! Am I right, guys? <laughs> I just threw this book away from me. <laughs> hey, kids. Hello, fellow children. I, too, am also a kid. Um, but th- this is the Conan the Barbarian feat. Uh, I, the, the, the main villain from Conan had the hypnotizing stare and the feet and the animal companion, and he was very, very evil. So that's kind of where the call out for this is coming from. Was he also very threatening? Yeah, but that's because well, then the fascinating doesn't matter. It's over. The condition done. Well, well, he starts with the sexy glare, and then the hypnotizing glare, and then there's the snake pitting, and then he goes with beheading in that order. (laughs) You know, if I just, I feel like it's led with the beheading. No, can't be it. You also get a snake companion at your level minus two, which is okay, I guess. Yeah, but then you just pick up boon companion to level that up. You can. Yeah, the power gamer me is screaming, oh, but there's two wasted levels. Boom Companion raises its <laughs> level plus four. What are you going to do with those other levels? Oh, I know. Multiclass. You'll find that uh, the power gamer in him will scream quite often. <laughs> it's always yelling in my head. I feel like there's this onus on me. Do you feel that as like the Galarian lore guy pair? I'm like, I feel like there's this onus on me to be the mechanics guy. And I, I have to know it. And when I don't know, I'm like, oh, I've, I let my title down. This is what people put their faith in me for. I, uh, I have that same problem anytime I don't know a question about a magic spell. <laughs> that, that's when you're secretly going to your app like, oh, yeah. No. That's why I've always promoted myself as an idiot. I've never felt that pressure in my entire life. Some subdomains introduced for scaly kind include the dragon domain, which sounds cool, but instead of getting a pet you just get a really bad breath attack that does almost no damage you're missing the best one the sauron subdomain because what's better than snakes dinosaurs okay but why why do dinosaurs stare at people and hypnotize them now where'd that come from they don't anymore they just (laughs) eat them (laughs) no they keep that ability well fine fine (laughs) but if you saw you saw jurassic park everybody stands still for like 20 seconds the second a dinosaur shows up that's that a, good a good point. point. <laughs> it's just a different lore for the reason. <laughs> and last is the Venom subdomain, which is the least bad because it replaces your useless stare ability with the ability to spit on your weapon as a swift action. That's a con poison. It also gives you the spell Cloud Kill, which is a very powerful and often referenced spell for being a good spellcaster. Quick, Perrin, what does it do? Better not get it wrong. You'll feel bad. Oh, good. Uh, Cloud Kill is like one of the worst spells in the... Not one of the worst, but it's one of the deadliest spells in the game, man. Uh, Like, it's basically a whole bunch of saves versus con damage, and then you're dead. Yeah, as players, it's definitely something you don't want to see. The other major domain introduced was the Void Domain. Is that what fast food has been subjecting me to? Cloud Kill? (laughs) I need to keep making saves before I die? (laughs) This gives me a whole new understanding of my diabetes. Cloud Kill is best paired with a uh, 
Force Cage. That's a classic combo. I think I see Cloud Kill and similarly Black Tentacles. Or not Black just tentacles Cloud and, and back yeah, Black Tentacles. Exactly. You want anything that keeps you from moving and then Cloud Kill, which basically will kill you unless you move. This is Caleb's favorite Christian. part of the podcast where I get to have fun talking the mechanics of somebody else. You literally interrupted me <laughs> trying to stop you. I was going to say, Christian, I want to talk about literally anything else. We have so much left to talk about. We're wasting Param's valuable time. No, my time's not very valuable. Oh, don't say that. I mean, it's true, but don't say it out loud. And thus, all the listeners from No Direction that came over heard me insult their host and left. And and even worse, they left one-star reviews. No, my reputation! Everyone be nice. Don't give them one-star reviews because they insulted me. Give them one-star reviews because of the content. Because <laughs> they deserve it. No, really, don't give them one-star reviews. That'd be a jerk move, gang. You know, you're the first person to ever say, don't give them one-star reviews, and it really warms my heart. <laughs> is that how low you're, it is, Christian? You just somebody says, it's not a one is enough for you? Can we please move on? Trying. There's so much more, and a lot of it is interesting. All right, so the other domain, the other major domain is the void domain. You can call upon the cold darkness between the stars to gain light, travel to other worlds, or summon monsters from beyond to do your bidding. Sounds pretty cool. Eh, it's okay. You get a plus two bonus against all mind-affecting effects. Yeah, not a real ability, a static bonus. Yawn. At eighth level, as a swift action, you can make a single target will save type spell you cast, also in confuse the target, which, yeah, because those single target will saving throws, that's not damning enough on its own. Oh no, I'm both paralyzed and confused. Whatever will I do? So salty. <laughs> oh no, my uh, hold person, I better roll on the confusion table too. But it includes the spells like flight and gravity altering, which are great options for a cleric who doesn't usually have access to those. The Void Domain's subdomain is Isolation, which sounds cool, but it just replaces the 8th level power with an aura of difficult terrain and Isolation, which just means your enemies can't flank or aid another. Snore. Boring. Move on. Not very good options, honestly, for a deity and religious-themed book. Yeah, well, the thing is, is you're still thinking of these as player options, but what these really are are GM bad guy options and hmm. being able to put a character on the field that negates my players flanking and then makes difficult terrain all around them is going to get them cursing me and basically getting ever closer to being included in this book as an example yes param what a great opinion you just made on this podcast it sounded like a five-star opinion <laughs> to me <laughs> Yeah, that, that is true. I am very much thinking of it from a player option perspective. I do hold to that enemies should have cool stuff that is underpowered. And this definitely fits that theme. I just think that enemies should have cool stuff that my players will hate me for putting on the field because those are the fights they remember three years later and complain about. Sure, yeah. If it's you, It can be not powerful as long as it's something that's common. Flanking comes up a lot. Another comes up fairly often. I mean, there's a, one of my players right now, it, like, they build a, a outflank build. This would just negate his entire character the very second this shows up on the field. Some other subdomains that were introduced for already existing domains. The arson domain, which I'm going to go out on my last tangent for a little bit. Okay, so the normal fire domain. I got it. You can just throw a firebolt at someone. It does 1d6 damage. Neat. Wow. How universally useful. I want to throw fire at someone. I can do that. 
okay, the arson subdomain, well, instead of just shooting a bolt of fire whenever you want, instead you need an already open fire source. The fire source needs to be behind the enemy you're fighting because you pull fire toward you. Not only do you pull fire toward you, making it much more niche and much more universally applicable, it does less damage and offers a reflex saving throw. Okay, I'm done. That's my thing. I feel personally attacked when these come up. <laughs> uh, you got entropy, which is a subdomain of chaos. You have fear, which is a subdomain of evil. You have float sim, which is a subdomain of water. This is one of my favorites. You just look into a dirty puddle and you can pull out useful stuff. You got the moon. You got revelry, rivers, slavery, torture, and tyranny. Torture is very disappointing. It really doesn't have anything to do with torturing at all. Well, they just make you listen to this podcast. <laughs> See, that would be good torture. It just does, like, non-lethal damage. Yay. And then free the moral last checks. Plus, you get to add your wisdom bonus to damage. Doesn't sound so bad, Christian. Sounds like maybe you were wrong. That's not... Looks like the mechanics guy didn't understand the mechanics. Hmm. I'd be pretty sad if I I'd respond, you. but I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah, but it's all non-lethal. Who cares? The torture guy cares. If he kills you... Yeah, you he's... don't want to kill somebody when you're torturing them. How often are you guys torturing people in your campaigns? Honest question. Too many times. <laughs> yeah, now I'm thinking about it. It's 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 not uncommon. But again, this is another one that like like all of these. This is like I'm I'm seeing uh, this would be a great low level bad guy ability when I don't want to kill off all my players, but I really want them to know that they got trashed. <laughs> yeah, looking at this through the lens of enemies utilizing it makes them much more interesting new player options also include spells there are 12 new spells unlike the domains most of these are interesting so i'm going to briefly go over a couple of them most of these spells involve either interacting with demons devils of some kind or traversing planes of hell that's the majority of them charon's dispensation when you cast it on someone you are immune to the effects of the river sticks and also you're resistant to memory modification. Okay, f fourth level spell. What is that? Level seven characters? I would think that the river sticks would be a more threatening thing past, you know, level 12, 13. Level seven, eh, river sticks, who cares? Take a dip, take a dive. A nice relaxing weekend here at the motel over on river sticks. Ironically, my random winner characters encountered it yesterday at level 14. Well, look at that. Did they? Was one of them a cleric or have the divine spell no, list? No, they didn't. Actually, two of them were clerics. They had the divine spell list, but none of them uh, thought to look at the Book of the Damned for an easy way through. Fools. <laughs> well, not everyone of you listening. Now you know. <laughs> Just Well, here's a better question, Param. Mm -hmm. How badly did they need that spell? Oh. <laughs> How'd it go without oh, it? Oh, boy. Three of them lost their souls, so pretty badly. Ouch. All right, Caleb, you were right. That was not my last uh, tangent I'm going off on there. So they have Create Drug. Knocking over with a feather. Create Drug is a third or fourth level spell. It does what you think it does. It makes a drug. The drug disappears within one minute. Little line here bothers me in the spell. The drugs created by the spell cannot be sold, but they can be given to other creatures. Um, hey, excuse me, Mr. Paizo? Try and stop me from selling these drugs, okay? You just told me I can hand them to other people. I'm going to ask for an exchange of money and then laugh when it disappears. I'm evil. That's you about breaking the evil campaign. Important spell for a mechanic we'll talk about later, create soul gem. You can slurp up someone's soul into a gem. Souls have certain values based on the hit die 
of the creature whose soul is absorbed. And this is what you have to use in tandem with the feat we talked about earlier. Some of it allows you to cast material components for spells without paying for them. And then the hit die relates to how expensive that component can be. Hey, Christian, I'm going to add to the list of words that you're no longer allowed to say. Slurp. I don't want to hear that out of your mouth again. Can I just make the sound effect? Stop. No, you can't do the sound effect. I was going to drink some water. Can I do the sound effect? Ah. Param, you can do whatever you want, you beautiful soul. I mean, how else would you describe the movement of a soul from one vessel into another? Probably slurp wouldn't have been on the list. If I had to make a complete list, it wouldn't have been on there. A hearty slurp. Right? What did I just say? Honestly, this might be the the most evil thing in the book if you on the long term th- uh, about it because that's you know harvesting someone's eternal existence just so that you can heighten some fireballs. <laughs> But all this bat guano is not enough. I need soul-infused bat guano. One of the cooler ones is Rift of Ruin. It's an 8th level spell. It makes a big old rift to hell itself that causes the hurt on your enemies or whoever's caught inside. At any point, you can choose to close this rift that people are trapped in. It spits everyone out, and then it summons a bunch of demons to fight for you. Definitely one of the more thematic ones. Actually sounds really cool. Sacrifice is a 4th level spell. This is where you can offer a sacrifice to bid with an outsider to get more favor to get these demons and devils to do your bidding. What's interesting is that you can't only sacrifice people. You can sacrifice your ability scores. You can sacrifice treasure. Or you can even sacrifice your morals, which involves you taking your character and shifting them toward the alignment of the devil that you're bidding with. And it states that you can only do that like once in your lifetime. You can't just keep giving up your morals. <laughs> I shift back. <laughs> And that's a common theme with this book is basically like giving mechanics for a lot of story elements that we see in games. It's like, why does somebody care if you're bartering for a soul? Well, now we have a reason. The soul has value in this instance. Why do people keep sacrificing people to the altar of evil gods? Well, so that you can do this stuff. Last interesting one is the waters of Lammy Mosh to herself. It is a second or third level spell. You make do not say this sentence, you make Don't you delicious say this I will kick you up. Monster mama juice. It is quite literally bone-hurting juice. (laughs) If a living thing drinks it, it starts to distort and be hurt by the waters. And at GM discretion, this causes mutations that will reflect what Lamashtu wants people to become. You have no discretion, Christian. Mm. (laughs) Gotta slurp up that delicious monster mama juice. (laughs) That sentence, we found it. The worst (laughs) sentence in human history. Christian, why? Why? Do you hate? Did I do so something? Do you really to think you? that the angels were that big of jerks for doing that to Tabris? <laughs> do you not feel <laughs> oh, the same man. way? If the, I just came up with a book that said mm, "Monster Mama Juice" <laughs> and gave you a bendy so straw, sad, I'm sure you'd banish me too. So sad. I'm surprised he survived writing this book. Can you think of all the horrific stuff he had to conceptually process to put it down in this in this volume? Yeah, like and- when they banish him, he should have been like, try to. I know everything. You can't stop me. <laughs> I knew you were going to try. <laughs> they did say that part of the lore was they thought he was lost because it just took so long when he went down into uh, you know the evil layers. And they're like, oh, I guess he's died. Then he comes back, drops the book on the table in front of him and says, I'm back. And there's some justification to that because there's 247 pages of Book of the Damned, but only 64 pages of Book of the Righteous. He didn't try very hard, did you, Tabrin? Angels are jerks. Then we get into some rituals, which are all the rituals are found in Book of the Damned. Uh, 
things that allow you to conjure fiends, trap souls. There's a set of four rituals that turn yourself into a fiend. There's one to separate the Book of the Damned into its component parts. And one to learn the true name of a creature, which failure option is awesome. A failure. The caster's own true name appears somewhere in a random document in a library located somewhere on Abaddon in the Abyss or Hell. Once per year, at the time chosen by the GM, uh, there is a percentage chance equal to the number of times the caster's true name has appeared in such a document that some other force discovers the caster's true name and uses it. Typically, this will result in the caster being conjured elsewhere via powerful magic that and must perform services at the GM's discretion. This could be played out, or the caster could simply return to his point of origin 46 hours later with 1d6 points of ability drain, 3, 1d3 negative levels, a strange curse, some other afflictions, and no memories of how this affliction came to be. This puts you on the other side of a spell that rarely happens. It is so cool. There's things about learning true names and demons come. It's a whole idea of like, how am I going to to force this thing to work for me? All of a sudden, you're the thing that appears in a ritual circle that's bound you so you can't leave and someone's trying to make a deal with you. This is crazy. This is awesome. Going to force my players to use that. I mean, encourage them. Just imagine there's a cultist out there that has a summon Jeffrey spell. (laughs) Summon Jeffrey! Uh, and then there's also a little expansion on the nature of true names here that is let me get some magic items there are devil talismans which are made to tempt mortals with false promises the sanguine talisman i want to talk about gives a bonus to ac and quote the bound devil can advise its wearer as it pleases the devil is under no compulsion to obey the wearer or speak the truth to him though some devils might lie and tell the wearer they are doing so once a day attempt to summon one of the demons to fight for you for a while pretty neat little things here it's very thematic to have demons leave treasures around the world that seem to help you out but then cost pricely thing i think one of them like takes part of the plane you're on and brings it back to hell uh definitely bilius the ballast talisman i'm not sure how it's pronounced uh from berserk looks uh, very similar to, to these talismans definitely the inspiration if it's not it's such a keen resemblance i want to call out the spiteful shield because it's a mirrored shield that when you make somebody look at it they get to see themselves all twisted and ugly i like to view it as the this is you in four combat round shield <laughs> <laughs> that is a cool one the Amulet of the Abyss interacts with the boons that you can get that we talked about earlier, letting you cast each of the spell-like abilities of the first exalted boon uh, once per day. The Grasp of Torment, which is a plus two adamantine spike chain with bonuses to disarming and tripping that allow you to both use the combat maneuver and the attack at the same time. This is also <laughs> the thing that extends... What? This is such a horrible item. Again, anybody that faces this with the person who took those feats. I mean, this <laughs> is the I hate my players build. I'm not sure if I just misunderstood it or I'm thinking about a different item that extends, but this does animate giving you a bonus to doing the trip as you have to, as you attack it. And then the Book of the Damned, three separate versions. You heard me mention that a couple times. There is the Daemonic, the Demonic, and the Diabolic, as well as the Apocrypha, which covers all the other evil deities that don't fit into three, uh, as well as information how to destroy them like most artifact entries. They have pictures here, and I like that Like the, the, the main three look about like you would say. You know, this one's made of human skin and covered in spikes. This one's a bunch of ghosts chained up. This one's just really weird looking. And the Apocrypha is just a bunch of papers on a stick. <laughs> yeah, it's like the receipt spike. <laughs> and this is Jefferson's true name. Put that here. Uh, take a pen take a true name leave a true name 
all of human's darkest secrets fit on the back of one CVS receipt. <laughs> I believe it. That's true. That actually <laughs> sounds realistic. I believe it. Oh, you just made me remember a thing that's where I was the same theme, and that was uh, in Yu Yu Hakusho. There was like, <laughs> oh man, here's the difference in gosh darn uh, timelines. It was a VHS tape with everything bad man had done. <laughs> a VH, no one's hearing me. A VHS. It wasn't a Betamax tape. <laughs> man, if only we had a player. We'll never know. <laughs> I mean, that. Like, destroying that artifact is just getting it near a kicking base. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I didn't rewind it all the way. Do you know how long it takes to rewind every evil human act? Oh, it's way more than 50 cents oh, on this search. Since we're talking about VHS tapes and, and inhuman acts, I do remember our local blockbuster <laughs> tasked one of my friends when they uh, when they just started the switch to DVDs to put pre please be kind rewind stickers on the inside of every DVD case as a cruel That's joke amazing. no no they were serious about it <laughs> did, did your friend call them out uh, yeah did but they not know was it that new you don't mess with middle management <laughs> it's true <laughs> then we get rules for infernal contracts now I'm very happy to have the rules here because ever since one of the B Sherry's that introduced the contract demon you know you've wanted to be able to do this but you sort of had to come up with the rules yourself now you got awesome well thought out rules laid out for you here and uh, let's look at one of them. Uh, they give some examples as well how to create the deals. And one of them is the shadow coin bargain. Your benefit is that you gain the ability to speak with shadows. And you gain the see in darkness ability, which is awesome. But the payment is once per week, the contracted mortal must kill a sentient creature with a piercing weapon and leave a platinum coin in the victim's mouth. If the mortal neglects to do this, his soul is damned to hell upon his death. And what's really cool is that each of these contracts has like a little loophole that your players might be able to discover that will get them out of it. Uh, and there's also a sort of hidden condition that the demon didn't tell them about. So, for example, in the Shadow Coin Bargain, the hidden condition is once per month, the Hamachula, which is, I guess, the demon that made this deal, can appear before the contract immortal and collected debt in gold equal to 100 gold times the mortal's hit dice. If a devil doesn't collect, the debt carries over to next month. Likely without the mortal's knowledge, the Hamachula can erase the debt by taking one or more of the mortal's appendages, digits, or similar body features. Yikes. And the termination clause, the sort of hidden loophole, is that the contract is not for a mortal soul, but calls literally for a priceless item with the contracted mortal's name and blood. If the mortal finds a priceless item, bleeds over it, gives it his name, and then destroys it in a fire, the contract ends. That is an awesome sort of way to do it. They could have been very bland with this. Having that hidden condition and termination clause really flushes it out. How many of these are there? There's four examples with rules how to make more. Kind of like with rituals when they first introduced them. And lastly, there are three prestige classes that each get two pages and a piece of art. Christian, you want to quickly talk to us about them? I can definitely talk about them quickly because they're not very interesting. So all three of these, they are the Demianac, the Diabloist, and the Soul Drinker. And hey, they're the neutral evil, lawful evil, and chaotic evil versions of the same prestige class with slightly different mechanics. The big point here is that you need the obedience, the fiendish obedience feat to take these. And this is your way of increasing your levels of your demonic boons without needing 12 hit dice. Well, hey, now you can do it at 10 hit dice. What a great bonus. So all of them can be taken earliest at level 8 because they require at least so many levels of spellcasting and so many skill points. 
And then they all give you levels of an existing spellcasting class. So if you go into these classes, you probably want to be a spellcaster of some kind. The demoniac is probably the worst one. What, all the infernals of hell drive? (laughs) (laughs) The flavor here is many demon worshippers understand that sinful souls become demons once the abyss digests them. But the demoniac simply cannot wait for death to begin their transformation. So you're trying to become a demon earlier than becoming a damn soul and dying. You're trying to become a demon in life. Well, I mean, you've got to secure your promotions as aggressively as you can. (laughs) (laughs) It's just good business policy. And what is hell but a business? And and it's that it goes back to that that old uh, that old yarn. You always dress for the job you want. (laughs) Now I, now I picture before like even qualifying for the class, you have like paper mache horns. You got like a tail you tuck into the back of your Sunburn. pants. You're ready. So it's your average Dragon Con. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <man. laughs> Goodbye, Dragon Con listeners. So this is the chaotic evil option. It doesn't really do anything is the problem with this one. Yeah, you get the boons. Yeah, you get your spell casting levels plus one but its main ability is you get a bonus for a short amount of time like a bonus to a stat but then at the end of it you're confused confusing yourself as a class ability right that's cool at the end the capstone is you become a demon hey that's exactly what we were aiming for that's also level 17 so way to go you also get to summon demons yeah it's okay. nice to have demons be your spell casting class you can do that anyway it's nice to have demons param 2018 <laughs> Hey, you can get a dance party of rocks going. <laughs> That's true. It'd be ear splitting at some point. Oh, gosh. And the cleanup afterwards of all those feathers is a nightmare, but oh. you'll remember it for the rest of your so, life. So there's a story I never told on No Direction about this, how I completely ruined rocks for my entire campaign going forward forever. Is What'd you In do? Wrath of Righteous, rocks show up frequently and often. <laughs> and... One of the th- most important things about Vrox is they have the Dance of Doom, which is like, in the more Vrox you have involved in the Dance of Doom, the better it gets. So it's it's always good to introduce them with the dance and then the horrible rain of awfulness that that will cause, because that's how you make it that they're not just fighting a giant vulture, they're fighting a giant va- dancing vulture. But somebody asked me what the dance looked like Oh, no. And so I just picked up my rock miniature, began to wiggle it in front of them, going, rock, 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 <laughs> And now any time a rock ever shows up, my players begin a chorus of rock, 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 Oh, good Lord. Rocking around the Christmas tree. I just picture Param dancing on a little tree, a little tree model. So in Wrath of the Righteous, they're essentially cliff racers from Morrowind, except instead of screeching and attacking you, they dance. Exactly. <laughs> in fact, you find them, in, they exist in that to keep you from leaving a set of cliffs. So that's an apt analogy. The Diabloist is a lawful evil version of the demoniac. It doesn't do a lot of stuff different. It's a little bit more interesting because it gets a bonus to summoning demons and it can make better bargains with them. It gets a little imp companion that follows them around. They get to shoot hellfire rays out of their fingers as a spell-like ability. A lot of stuff that I feel like demon-based things could do. But this is more of the contract writing, legalistic side of your obediences. Uh, Point of uh, clarification, these are devils, not demons. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, real quick, I'm going to a phone call. Oh, hey, hey, guys, sorry, uh, real quick, on, on the phone here is past guest of the show, Jeff and Control Robinson. He wanted me to ask, is it though? <laughs> and he has hung up? Like, that's it? <laughs> that, he just really needed to ask you that question. <laughs> 
the capstone of the Diabloist is you can summon a demon and bargain with it all in one turn, which usually it takes a while to do the whole bargaining thing. And I'll give you a bag of Tostitos scoops and one mortal soul if you... Done. Deal. <laughs> a sign. I don't care. I don't need to hear anything else. Just I'll trust you with the rest of the details and the sign. Sign. And give, the demon's like, mm, but is it hint of lime? Faster, faster, faster. Over here, over here, over here. The last one is the coolest one, the soul drinker. The art's amazing. She's like sucking the soul out of a skull. Would you say she's slurping the soul out of a skull? I would not. I, I, my heart. I think I just had a little like miniature heart attack seeing that Paizo just backed your description because she kind of is slurping the soul out of the skull. <laughs> oh, I'm really upset at this. This is really. I can't go on. Now I'm. I'm for everyone to have to picture the soul being that little multicolored milk after you get done eating a bowl of Lucky Charms. <laughs> Now I'm just now it's to me can, canon is that they're those little marshmallows. That's a soul. <laughs> that's what happens when you kill somebody. You just bust out. You don't get to see it because you can't see souls. But that's what happens. The soul drinker pledges their soul to Abaddon. They are proxies of death, serving the architects of the apocalypse until eventually their own souls are drawn into their master's waiting maws. They have to pledge to one of the horsemen. They get a cool mechanic called a soul pool. I'm already sold on this one. They have a soul pool. This is awesome. Every time they give someone a negative level, they get points in their soul pool, and they can use their points from their soul pool to do things like cast spell-like abilities or cast some of their own spells. And they get Enervation as a spell-like ability. Hey, it's synergistic. Enervation gives negative levels. You like getting negative levels. Wow, what great design. This is definitely the coolest one for me, because you can enervate the life out of somebody and then turn their life essence into a Cure Moderate Wounds potion and just drink their soul tears to make yourself better. This is actually really cool. I don't, I'm don't. i not a huge fan of Prestige classes, but this seems pretty neat. And you can tell that Pazzo thought this was the coolest one, too, because it is the only one that gets one less level of spell casting while all the others get the same i did not notice that good catch it's also only one half bab where the other two were three fourths bab uh i think our listeners also some of you might not be familiar with the concept of what abaddon is um whereas with the hails you got you gotta say abaddon though I do. Does he though? <laughs> wait, wait. I'm getting another call from our past guest and friend of the show, Jeff of Control Robinson. He says, "Does he though?" <laughs> and the answer is yes. Abaddon. Are you <laughs> Siri? How do you say Abaddon? Well, the big thing to understand about Abaddon is that it- a new third option appears. <laughs> da na na da na 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 na. Is that with hell? All the demons there want to rule the worlds and the, and basically have their own little set of really sadistic rules for everything. Demons just want to turn everything into a chaotic playground where the strongest, and they of course think that any individual one of them is going to be the strongest, gets to do whatever they want. And with Abaddon, I think I've now said it all three ways, uh, they, because the residents there are all personifications of their own death, they just want everything to end. All existence must be over, uh, but we don't want it to exist in any form whatsoever because that's our best option. Hmm. I don't know if I buy into like the reasoning. I just want to suck people's souls out. Is that okay? I guess not. <laughs> no, it's inherently not yeah. okay. Dang. I'll find a way to make it work. Uh, one half VAB though. Then chapter four, Fiendish Bestiary is 40 pages. They 
There's lists of fiendish monsters from the bestiaries, as well as their roles and what they personify. Split into devils, demons, demons, and others. I love this section. Good to have all of them organized in one source for easy reference. I have pages. I remember writing down, like, all the snake things I found and all the demons, just lists and what bestiaries they were in. So great to actually have this. Not on a destroyed piece of paper that, for some reason, I just haven't thrown away. And we get to learn what Chitons actually call themselves Velstrox, as F. Wesley Schneider bragged about. We get 12 new monsters, one of which has six variations. The CR spread is 1, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 2 11s, 13, 14, 15, and 20. And most have many spell-like abilities. Well, I do know where the CRs for these monsters came from. And where's that? They are to fill in the CR gaps that the bestiaries have. Oh. Uh, also, this the, this is another uh, new section for the reprint um, because many of the original three book monsters have since been included in bestiary, specifically bestiary five. Um, a lot of them ended up in bestiary five. So when they were reprinting this, they suddenly had several pages they couldn't reprint because they literally just did three months earlier. Gotcha. Man, I love this little insight you've given us here. We just have no concept of these things. We get petitioner variants. Uh, having reviewed planar adventures, it's good to be able to see some stats for the various petitioners as well as their appearance. One of the monsters, the Nicaras, uh, the Nicaramasa. I shouldn't have made fun of you for saying Abaddon. The Nicaramasa Asura has an interesting ability called Pervert Miracle. As an immediate action, when a creature within 60 feet either casts a spell that he can use or casts a spell that would counter or remove one of the spells he can use, he can attempt an opposed charisma check to convert the spell into its opposite each against each original target as it's cast. That's just neat. I like the idea of perverting your own spells against you. Ooh, it's a nasty little thing. It is uh, CR 14 and joins more of the furry art that this book has. And I'm very happy about that. I think the one interaction I've ever had with No Direction was asking you guys about Catfolk, and I was very happy to be able to derail your conversation for five minutes about Catfolk. Catfolk are awesome, except for we can't seem to decide what Catfolk look like. I think that's one of the cool things about them, is they can be whatever you want. Thundercats, done. Necogen, done. Any way you want it. Stuff you find at e621.com. I don't know what that is. Don't ask me. Who, who knows? What's that, huh? Weird. I don't know what you guys... I thought we were avoiding an explicit <laughs> The next one is, is the Chiton Otis. Oh, Otis. I really shouldn't have made the way you said Abaddon. I can't get any of these words. This is just the curse. I told you. Who has a thing called Golden Bone? Just in time for October. October. I call this the Babe Ruth. <laughs> On a critical hit, it attempts to bless the damaged creature with inner beauty. If the target fails a save, it turns the creature's bones into magical radiant gold. I love this. A lot of negative effects are going to happen with this guy. Your <laughs> I... constitution down to four. You're affected as a fairy fire. At least you're beautiful as you're dying. <laughs> Start of every round, you must succeed at a save or your eyes are burnt out from the inside, resulting in permanent blindness. It's amazing. Oh, but don't worry. Somebody can sell your bones after you're dead for a thousand gold. Make the sacrifice for the team. <laughs> we really need... That extra ring. Oh, but you need to cast in large person first because the value doubles when they get up a size category. Oh, yeah, you're right. Good thinking, good thinking. Ha, the power game. <laughs> Who's the power gamer now, Christian? We can combine this with the archetype for druids that allows them to reincarnate and just have a whole system going. We've broken it again. And uh, the Nakul Sackle is straight up out of Princess Mononoke. Nago. Uh, 
got like weird worm things coming out of a boar. No, these are nasty enough without having to dwell on them. Though there's the only bear Rikasa. And his fingers aren't even bent no, backwards. No, that's why like... he's Trixie. <laughs> I would have never known. I thought you were just a normal fur. No, only the head. Only the head. <laughs> and then the last thing we have here is in a section of appendix excerpts from the book of the damned it's 32 pages and it's sort of in fiction in-game excerpts of writings about fiends as well as excerpts from the book of the damned these are awesome handouts i'm definitely going to give these to my players if they research these subjects glad they're all in one place instead of having to like flip through around the book just because they wanted to spread art around the book these are some really cool things. There's a map of the capital of hell. But, and there's also art with it. It's not just writing, but it's written as if it's script. Cool to see like things about the uh, Four Horsemen. It's really, really cool. I would love a book that was all just in-game like handouts. Yeah, I mean, we, we tried to get... We, we petitioned and tried to uh, rally for James Jacobs to make a um, the Almanac of Galarian as a book. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Unfortunately, we keep getting shot down. in Param's perfect almanac uh, for me it would mostly be like the the, the different trade uh, goods for all the countries and how they interact with each other it'd be a very boring book but it's things that a gm can use uh to understand why two nations would have attention because it all comes back to money money and or demons it's just a bunch of lines connecting circles exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> well what do you guys think about this book uh, Christian, why don't you start? The player options, I'm always going for the mechanics. I don't think a lot of the player options here are great, but some of the mechanics that do exist in this book are very interesting. I love, for instance, that soul pool that the soul drinker had. I really like the soul gem. There's the table for the soul gems and what souls are worth depending on how many hit die they have. I like codifying these evil things not just saying they're evil because they're evil acts but also saying they're evil they're doing these things for a benefit that i can quantify it's not always quantifiable they do leave some little divots of mystery in these things and say it's really up to gm's discretion what happens when you drink mama monster milk what exactly your body becomes you always have to have throwaway enemies in a game pathfinder is a very combat centric thing and you have to have enemies that are just there to fight because you gotta exhaust resources throughout the day and it can be hard to make these throwaway fights with these regular goons distinct and this is a great way to make them distinct there's a whole section of the different cultists their reasons for being cultists and their ultimate goal and how they differ from each other in their actions and their appearances and all of this just is compendiated in a great volume. Everything that I want to be in here is in here. I don't have to search another document to find the information. Book of the Dam is this catalog of all these things that I want to do with evil, demon-related things. And in that regard, I think it's absolutely excellent. I think it's interesting that you called out how you liked how the um, the in-character stuff was presented all in one place at the back. And I think that this book is a great example that the... Sometimes when you make a collection, it loses something in the translation. The original three volumes for the Book of the Damned are masterpiece books that any person should strive to get a hold of. Um, I know they're out of print. They're stupidly expensive on eBay, but the PDFs still exist. But the Book of the Damned has most of that information, and that kind of hurts the artistic value of the product. Um, when the Book of Damned was originally published, it was being published during what Paisa was calling the Zoo Book era. 
where they were taking a lot of inspiration for they were reimagining how they were presenting their products and Pazzo has a deep background in magazine publishing and so when you read through the original book of the damned they open with the in character uh, book of the damned section and they then sprinkle throughout lots of art and examples and they sort of divide up the content as a magazine would so that every page flip is interesting but it's a self-contained little element and the art plays off of that and it was designed to be an enjoyable read for a short browse and the in-character stuff and the stat stuff and the art and the geome inspiration was all woven together exceptionally well so that you were constantly having this vivid idea of oh i can work this in oh i can do this and every single page was a idea of how to make your game better and then as the three different volumes they each focused on a on a specific aspect of hell uh, the first one was prince of darkness and that was the hells the second one was lords of chaos and that was the abyss and then the demons didn't show up until volume three which was horsemen of the apocalypse they when they combined the books and then they made them very well organized and they put all the gods in the front and they put all the in character stuff in the back and they put all the monsters in the middle it made it a much more boring read and so while you do have all the information here it is like looking through the dictionary instead of a very well put together novel interesting because one of my notes here was i was going to say that i thought its organization was fantastic and but i did not think of it in that sort of lens of uh having a good time reading oh boy am i having a swell time reading about folka <laughs> just to open up that scab real quick that's the sound of scabs opening apparently <laughs> just want to let everybody that is the sound uh, but as 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 a GM, I would far rather have the book organized in the way that this book has it because it makes it easier to reference. Right now, I'm going out of my gosh darn mind trying to read the play test oh, and boy. reference anything. Yeah. I want to kill I myself. I want I want to make a deal with the devil. I'll give you my soul if you organize this play test where I can look up something and it'll be logical. Where here in the book of the damned, I want to be able to say to my player, my player says, you know, I'm researching about uh Dagon. I, I know Dagon's in the chapter one and he's right here listed alphabetically. And then I can hand them those pages. And if they do a reference to one of the handouts, I have them all in the back. This organization is better for me as a GM. Uh, and I, I'd rather sacrifice the the sort of entertainment reability in that way. And maybe I gave the wrong impression to our listeners. The handouts are all in the back. There is art throughout. They knocked it out of the park with the art. It is fantastic. But the art is like the traditional depiction of characters and things. It isn't the sort of in-lore depiction. But that's a very interesting perspective. Right. This is definitely the superior reference volume. It does make it easier to find what you're looking for after the fact. Um, but one of the goals of the original three book of the damned was try to inspire you why you would want to adventure in these other lower planes and heavily involve them. Uh, this is the book for you have already made up your mind. You're going to do that. And so it, it definitely is the easier book to reference. And I can't recommend somebody go back and buy the original three at over four, almost five times the cost of buying the PDF of this. When so much of the content is in here, there's so much more content. I just wish it had some of the original charm that the originals had. Would you say that it would be better for players to, regard not thinking of the cost, to pick up the individual volumes and better for the GM, or maybe it's more focused for the GM in this compiled volume? I don't think that this is a good book for players, no matter which version you get. This is a book for GMs that has a couple of things players might want, but this is, players aren't going to, 
like how many players are going to be evil be in a game that their GM is going to let them be that evil and then have characters that happen to line up with some of these abilities in campaigns that might allow them to use it. As my GM is screaming at his iPhone right now, uh, yeah, who would want to be an evil character? <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've made him tired of it. Uh, but yeah, I agree. This is definitely not a player book. This is definitely a GM book. And it comes back to Any what you that- value. I can see that if you want this as a reference, well, you can just bring up the archive of Nethi source and it's going to list every item categorized with a hyperlink for you to read more about it. And you always have that for the highly organized reference lookup version of it. Whereas when you own the physical copy, that's almost an extra dimension that it has that makes it worth the cost of owning a physical copy of it. It can give you something that it organized online cannot give you. It can give you this sense of wonder. It can give you this readability, page-turning ability that really inspires your mind as a GM to create stories involving these elements. I don't know. I got the inspiration just fine from the way it was formatted. Everyone thinks differently. I'm personally fine with it being in a document, but I can definitely see the worth of it being more of a tome and less of a encyclopedia. Weird Christian, are you saying that we can be different people with different ideas and preferences and still be friends? Wow, when you when you I word it like it. that, I don't like it. Um I agree with you completely. <laughs> Why? <laughs> are you saying it's a truthful fact that we can have different conclusions about something and still have enjoyed the product? Weird. The Book of the Damn Demiplane information in here is phenomenal. That's probably the most inspirational for me. The rest of it is that reference that I'll give my players when they open up the Book of the Damned uh, so I can actually answer their questions. They'd be like, yeah, he's the god of something. Some of my favorite fiends made it in there, like the Eldritch stuff, uh, Baphomet, Ellis, the Four Horsemen. I think that might be the case with everybody. You'll find what you're interested in expanded in here somewhere because it's pretty complete. Um, I would love to see the Chronicle of the Righteous and the Concordance of Rivals get this same treatment. That'd be really cool. Yeah, but that's never going to happen. No. no? Uh, first, I have it on record from Paizo that's never going to happen uh, when we talk to them about this. Uh, um, and again, like, never is a big, strong word, but like people love the Damned and the Book of the Damned and the Hells. Not a whole lot of people have the same uh, enthusiasm when you're talking about Axis and the city that never ends. Yeah, thinking of the Book of the Righteous, wow. my immediate thought is, wow, how boring. Shut your mouth. We just talked about what jerks they are. There's room there. I want to hear more about well, the, angels. And ah! The Book of the Righteous is a fantastic book. The, when it talks about the Imperial Lords, it, it gives you a different concept of what worshipping a being and embodying them could be so i definitely recommend if you're a fan of this book to go check out the chronicles of the righteous but like it's it first there's only 64 pages of that a reprint of it can't like blowing it up to this height would be almost impossible well i see you have the dream killer archetype param thanks for coming on the show was uh i uh i think that like the book of the dam does not present itself as a need to make another one of me for second edition. Some of the book, like you want another bestiary. You don't really need another book of the damn. So why not Chronicles of the Righteous? But find, I guess you want to bring facts into it. Like things they've said. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and I think the most important thing I want to leave everyone is they really did ruin the spine with a different font. And not since bestiary four, have I been so upset. <laughs> oh man. I still glare at you bestiary four. What happened there? Have you asked Paizo about that? Yes, I have actually. <laughs> um, sometimes they make mistakes it was literally just a mistake on the formatting yeah like second edition (laughs) 
No, that was just an easy joke. I don't feel that way, everybody. That was just a that was a sentence I knew at the end of it would be a laugh, and then I immediately regret it because I knew people would think that. Like earlier, I said I have diabetes. I don't have diabetes. So the sentence at the end of the sentence has a laugh. Well, Param, thank you so much. Boy, you gave us two hours of your time. I think I told you it'd be like an hour and a half. Sorry for lying to your face. Uh, but thank you so much. I do appreciate your time. Where can people find you if they're interested in hearing more of your sultry tones? If you wish to find me, the easiest place to do so is at nodirectionpodcast.com, where we have seven podcasts now, or six. We've only talked about six. Um, and then there's lots of great content where you'll be able to hear me ramble on about things. Thanks a lot for coming. It was great having you. Thank you for inviting me. It must be great to be in a place where you actually forget how many podcasts you have. Great's not the word I use. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. This episode was edited by Devin Tonnell. This is Johan Martins. Thanks for listening. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just getting ready to go trick-or-treating. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can find Trailblazers on iTunes. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, don your wizard hat and robe, grab some dice, and join us. Man, I love this day. It's the one time of year where everyone goes out and LARPs. Caleb, you know that these people aren't... I won't spoil it for them. Trick or treat! treat.